Welcome to the Fabric Podcast. This is a conversation about growth, and we're calling it It's Hard Not To. It seems like we love to make it hard on ourselves and feel like the odds are against us, and we are facing great and unique challenges as individuals and as a society, but when it comes to growth, it's going to happen. Does that mean we don't have any work to do? No need for practice? Of course not. And that's why we want to welcome you into this conversation. Welcome. I'm Greg Meyer. It's fantastic to have you here. So we're, we're going to be spending the next five weeks thinking about spiritual growth. And the series we're calling it, it's hard not to. Because the truth is, in life, we tend to make things way harder than they need to be, especially these things that we're designed to do. And we're designed to grow. And we want to talk about that today. So I just want to help us unpack this whole idea of what it means to be spiritual. We have these weird images of what it means to be spiritual. What does being spiritual actually look like? Can it be found in different ways than like almost anywhere? I have, I have this basic question that I kind of want to spend some time with through the whole five weeks. And I'm not going to say much about the question, but it's simply this. Is it harder to be good than it is to be bad? And you have four choices, all right? It's much easier to be good than bad. It's easier to be good than bad. It's harder or it's much harder. Go ahead, take a shot at that. I developed an AI algorithm to predict the answer to this. <laughs> Meaning, I thought about it for a couple of minutes. Um, so, and I did not expect that people would by and large say it's easier to be good than bad, okay? But it's kind of a toss up between by the easier and harder, but people aren't saying it's a lot harder. All right, um, let's go to the next question. Is it harder to be good than bad in the short run? Like right now, you gotta make a choice right now. You have a good choice, you got a bad choice. You're gonna be a good person, you're gonna be the bad person. Which is it? In the short run, right now. Swap, there's a swap. People are saying it's harder in the short run. Oh, easier is pulling up. Oh. And much easier is making a, a showing like I never did before. <laughs> Woo! Easier, easier in the short run. I did not predict that. And last question, it's the same one. Is it harder to be good than bad in the long run, overall, in your life, or in the, over the year, over time? Um, is it easy? Is it... Uh, is it harder to be good than bad in the long run? You know, if this is really true, like basically everyone is agreeing that it's easier, you'd be way better people than you are. <laughs> just, just teasing, right? Huh, okay. I don't want to do too much with that. Um, but I, like I said, I, I just kind of want to hold that. By and large, people are saying it's sort of a toss-up, but I think, I think being good versus bad, which is, I know, very ambiguous and like, what does that actually mean? What do you mean good? What do you mean bad? Well, I, no definition yet. Just letting you decide for yourself right now. But people, by and large, saying it's kind of a mixed bag, but I, but I think it's easier. I think it's easier to do that. Um, you know, I, I hope 
I don't know if that's true or not, but we're, we're going to talk about it. It's kind of the premise, I guess. I think in reality, it is kind of easier than, um, than it's harder. So, um, uh, as I, I said, you know, this, what we're talking about in these weeks is that it's hard not to. I, I think there's a lot of things that we are actually designed to do. And it's actually hard not to be that person that we are, use that word created to be, whatever that means. I mean, the, the person that you are, um, as you, uh, who you naturally are. So Jesus um, talked about the spiritual side of that development uh, a lot, but he told one parable about it that I, I want to spend some time with this week. And just let me read you this parable. It's in Matthew, Mark, it's in three of the four Gospels, those books in the Bible that talk about the life of Jesus. And this is a version that Luke wrote down. And I'm just going to read the first part of the parable. A little bit of setting. Um, Jesus has been out teaching, preaching, healing people, doing whatever he did. And the village is then obviously collecting a crowd. And this is my own imagination, but I suppose, you know, some people keep showing up there over and over, and then some people show up and then aren't there and whatever. And people are kind of wondering, like, what, how, how, come, how come some people stick around and are here for more and some people don't? And he tells this parable. He says, when a great crowd gathered and people from town after town came to Jesus, he said in a parable, a parable just being a story with lots and lots of layers inside waiting to be unpacked, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil, and when it grew, it, produ- it produced a hundredfold. And um, as he said this, he called out, Let anyone with ears to hear listen. Now, um, that, that, that's a, an interesting story, I think, what he's trying to do. And in this story, I think he clears up a few things about uh, what spiritual growth is. I mean, I think that's kind of what this was trying to point at, that I think are important just to set out from the very beginning. And uh, the first one is, and this is on the back of your Sunday papers on that outline, if you want to follow along with that, it's just for your own good or for however it, you like to think. And uh, the, the first is this. He, he's letting us know that your spiritual self and your physical self are not opposites. Okay? Your spiritual self and your physical self are not opposites. Now, that's been a, a train of thinking that has been going on for a long time, is that somehow we need to transcend ourselves. We need to transcend our humanness. We need to transcend, you know, all this earthly aspects of ourselves in order to be more spiritual, to be more pure, to be, you know. And, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Now, where do I get this out of, the, out, of, out of this parable? Well, by the parable. So if you think about it, there are three different things in the parable. There's first of all the sower. Who's the sower? Come on, you know this. God, right? I mean, however you want to think about it. God is a sower, right? Throwing out the seeds. And what are the seeds? The story actually tells us. The seeds are the word of God, all right? But think of that bigger than the Bible because when Jesus told this parable, there wasn't a Bible, Right? So he's talking about well, what do we know from God, well, from this relationship with the third strand, as we often refer to it here with Fabric, this all that is with Yahweh, I am who I am, with um, that which is beyond, bigger and bigger. What, what do we learn from that, right? That's, that's the seeds that are, that are thrown out to, to grow something. So that leaves one role. What is the dirt? Yes, you, me, us. We are the dirt. 
All right? Now, if Jesus was wanting to tell a story that explains spiritual growth by transcending your humanness, and he would have told a story about clouds or something. But no, he told a story about dirt. Did you ever think about the, the, word, the root word for human is the same root word for humus? That isn't an accident, all right? In the uh, second chapter of Genesis, which is a, very, a poetic telling, the second poetic telling of how creation happens, just to try to get us to understand relationships and things like that, um, we have uh, God, actually Yahweh, comes and takes some dirt, some Adama, and he clumps it together and he breathes into it and it becomes Adam, all right? Adam's name, which means human, comes from the word for dirt, Adama. God takes Adama and makes Adam. Folks, you're dirt. And that's a good thing because good stuff grows in dirt. And you, so this is our, our legacy. Don't try to clean it up. Don't try to make it unmessy because that would not be true to who you are, what you are meant to be, what you are expected to be. You are messy. This world is messy. If you can figure out how to make that not be that way, let us all know. But you aren't going to. Um, it, it just, it's not going to happen. We don't have that power, and we aren't, we aren't expected to be able to do that either. So... That, that's one important thing for us to understand, first of all, from the outset of that. The, the next thing is that this is not a parable about four, of four kinds of people. You know, there's the people that are like the path, there's then some people that are like the rocks, and there's some people that are like the weeds, and then there's some of these good soil people. You know, he's not doing that. He's saying that all of us have these four kinds of earth within us, Right? You've got parts of your life that are like that hard-packed path. You've got parts of your life that are like rocky soil. You've got parts of you that have weeds growing. You've got parts of you that are just this beautiful, rich, loamy, um, good soil. And that is how it works. And uh, um, so that's an important thing for us to remember, too, okay? This isn't, you know, this isn't good people and bad people. This is talking about aspects of all of us. And by and large, we're good, so we're good soil. That's an important thing to know. The next thing I want to show that Jesus is clearing up in this story is that he's telling us that our spiritual growth is the product of our physical, our social, our emotional, our intellectual selves, right? You've got your physical development. You know, you get taller and bigger. Um, you've got your intellectual. You learn things. You, you know, collect all kinds of experiences. Your world just gets bigger intellectually. You've got your emotional things. You learn how to handle yourself, you know, know how to be in relationship, and same thing, you have social dimension, which is relational, and all, all those things are all growing up. You don't have all of those, and then you also have spiritual growth, right? I'm going to develop in all these ways, and then I'm also going to become spiritual. No, it's, that's not how it works. Your spiritual self is the product of all of those forms of development. It's when all of this is working together. It isn't an additional thing you do as well as growing physically, emotionally, socially, and so on. So that's an important thing to, to realize. This isn't a product, uh, a category of its own. So that kind of brings me to the definition that I want to use when we talk about spiritual growth, and that is spiritual growth is the process of aligning your whole self with God's image within you. Spiritual growth is, a, is the process of aligning your whole self with God's image which was within you, 
we talked about God's image last week. It's just this, we don't look like God, it doesn't mean anything. It's just, there's something about, there's some connecting point between who we intrinsically are, what's deep down inside of us that allows us to be able to weave our life with that which is and all others and so on. And, and it, that piece of us, it, it's when we start aligning all of our, all aspects of our life, that's spiritual growth. And it just, it happens. It's, we are designed to do that. It's a great place to do. And, and, I, and a neat thing to realize about this is that it's a process of aligning, right? It's a process. Of, this is not a, an achievement to attain. Spirituality, spiritual growth, spiritual maturity is not a, an achievement to attain. It's a process to spend your life on. It, it's something that goes, which I think is so important because that means it's going to ebb and flow. You're going to have times of progress where you're feeling like your spiritual maturity is like pulling together and you're able to be that person that you want to be more. And then you have times when you regress from that and you're just losing it all. And those might be two minutes apart sometimes, you know, and it, and it has room for all. It has room for real life. And because of that, it has the opportunity for you to be able to be who you are and embrace this and find out what it means for you to be spiritual. Not to have to conform to one of all those images, you know, that we talked about at the very beginning of the gathering, but to who, what does it mean for me in my life, in my real life, that isn't messy because I'm bad, but it's messy because I'm real. How, how, well, how can I be spiritual? So we're going to explore that a little bit because Jesus tries to give us a, a couple of ideas about there, and um, I think you know them as well. So anyway, um, my point is it's hard not to grow because you're designed to grow, and this is stuff that you're, um, you know, you were designed, that it's just natural, it's, it's built into us to be this way, it's your, it's your real self. Nonetheless, there are things that trip it up, right? I mean, if this was simply true that we're designed to grow and all this is within us and it's just going to happen, we would all be these wonderful spiritual giants and, you know, I'm not, I know I'm not, you know, um, it's always a work in progress and it's a struggle because there's some things that trip us up and that's, the, that's what Jesus was talking about. So he has three things, he has Three kind, well, he has four kinds of soil, three that are kind of the problems, and one is what like, we want to seek, right? And so I, what was he pointing at? I mean, people write whole books on this stuff, right? And I'm going to like simplify it all. So feel free to take this in other directions for yourself whenever you want to. That's okay. But the first one is um, some seeds fell on the path, right? And the birds came. When we first got trampled on, the birds came and ate it up, all right? And what is that? Those are your habits. You've got habits in your life, right? Um, Jesus says this to say about it. He says, we, by the way, this is the only parable he explains in, in the Bible. Um, his interest, he told it, and then his disciples all gathered um, together with him and said, what? <laughs> and so, so then he explained it. They tend to do that with all of his parables, but um, so do I. He says, the path are those who have heard, but it does not reach their hearts. It is easily lost and does no good in their lives. That's my very simplified Greg Standard version of what he said there. So, so this path, what is, what is this path? Well, these are these habits that we have. Now, you cannot function without habits. If you don't have routines, if you don't have patterns, you would not be able to just get through life. I need to be able to, you know, recognize that's a street in front of me. I need a habit that says that's a street, and if I walk in front of me, I get hit by one of those things called cars, right? Without, without habits that let us know, you know, grease the wheels of our day, we would never get anything done. We'd have absolutely no efficiency, no expediency. We would just, we'd crash. Now, that's important. You cannot have habits. You cannot have patterns. You cannot have routines. The problem is we lean on those too much, and we repeat them so often that they become hard-packed ground. 
there's something that nothing can really live in, nothing that can find its way into it. Uh, my wife works for Freshwater. She's in the water world and thinks a lot about, talks about impervious surfaces, you know, things where the water just runs off of, you know, the world wasn't made to largely be that way. The water's supposed to sink in and bring life to things. Well, when it gets too hard packed, it just runs off. So, so you know, so a question, I guess, would be, uh, you know, this is less about your habits being good or bad, and that's important. I mean, you've got some bad habits you should get rid of. I've got some bad habits I should get rid of. You know, I know that, but let's just park that right now, okay? Let's worry less about whether your habits are good or bad and think more about, you know, whether it is so hard-packed, that pattern, that routine that you have is so hard-packed that nothing new can seep in, that nothing new can seep in, because you need new stuff to seep in. My, my feeling is the spiritual stuff that comes into our lives is almost always a surprise, because it's hitting us at a place where we're, you know, tightly woven, we're deeply woven with others and with that which we call God, and that takes us to something bigger. We start seeing the world differently. We start seeing our lives a little bit differently. But if you're so hard-packed, if you've got your head down and you're so busy and you know exactly what you're going to do next, we just close ourselves off from that. So what is a routine that you have, all right, that could become hard-packed, like I just do this and I motor through it, and, you know, it's a thing, it's an efficiency thing. I'm just going to get it done, that you could you know, soften up. You could loosen up that, that ground there a little bit so that something new could seep into it. Um, what kind of stuff am I talking about? Let me give you a, a couple examples I wrote down for myself. You know, if, um, you're, well, this is a really cheap one, and no one commutes anymore because we all work from home. But, you know, I, how can you use your commute, right? Rather than just being something where you're trying to get to your office on time or get home on time, but you could use that time creatively. That's one. Um, but for me, one of them I think about, something that I do regularly, is I, I grocery shop for us usually about every two weeks. And, you know, I always say it's 45 minutes. It takes about an hour and a half. And I just, you know, I get through the grocery store. And I was saying, well, well, how could I use that time to make my ground a little more loose, a little more loamy? And I said, you know, I'm, I, because I've had some really fun incidental conversations in the grocery store, I said, I'm going to, when I do my hour and a half grocery shopping, I'm going to make it a goal to talk to 10 people without being creepy. Which is... <laughs> uh, yeah, so like, because I've I had like some amazing things, you know, just little brief conversations where you know you put a smile on that person's face. And what does that do to me? What does that do to me when I redefine my grocery shopping as a time to interact with some people, bring a little life to some people around me that, you know, also just have their heads down and maybe are being beat up by life or something like that. Um, another example, um, um, oh, uh, this, this is one that I've practiced actually for a long time, but one of the repeating things that I have is I hear sirens a lot. If you're Chris Tripolino and live on Portland Avenue, you hear even more of them. But I, I hear sirens in the neighborhood a lot, and I, I've kind of trained myself. Whenever I hear a siren, it's just like pause. You know, at least even if I'm in the middle of conversation, my mind pauses, and I think someone's life is upside down right now. Someone's life is upside down right now. How can I hold them? I know I can't do anything. I don't know who they are. I don't know what it is. I, I, but how can I just be open to the fact that maybe the person that I'm with right now, their life is upside down too? Let that siren wake me up to there. There's something bigger going on here in this world right now. So what is a routine, a routine that you could use to, um, what, loosen up the soil? Then? This isn't meditating until you can levitate 18 inches off the ground. This is like, no, this is something I'm already doing all the time, and all I have to do is maybe make a little mental switch. It's hard not to do some of these things. 
It's hard not to see those people in the grocery store, hear those sirens in a different way than you ever heard them before. Soil number, dirt number two, all right? So Jesus goes on, and the second one is, and Jesus says, the rocky ground is one who gets excited when hearing the word, but the roots reach no soil, so, they, so when they're challenged, they wither. These are intentions, intentions. Anybody here that isn't full of good intentions? Yeah, we, most of us come in a, a great supply of intentions. It's delirium on it that it's a, a, the problem. You know, kind of like being in that rocky soil. You're up there high, and I'm all excited. I got this idea. I got these great intentions, but I'm so far away from the earth that, you know, the roots don't reach down into my actual life. So it just doesn't happen. Um, and, you know, and, you know, and then growth dries up. That's actually what it's on your Sunday paper. Growth dries up when my intentions don't match my actions. If I'm full of, like, oh, so many good aspirations, this is what I want to be, this is who I want to be, this is how I want to, how I want to be in the world, and I don't do it, it just, like, stalls. It's just like letting all the air out of the balloon. It's not, you're not a horrible person for doing it. We all do it, but, but it just doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah, but what happens when your intentions do match your actions, how, how does that make you feel? I mean, my sense is, like, I feel proud when I do that, when I deliver on something like that, when I put those things together. I, I'm satisfied. I, I feel more at peace. I, I develop self-confidence by realizing that, yeah, you know, I intend to be this kind of person, or I intend to do this, and I did it. It's like, yeah, that's good. Hey, I can do something. You know, that, that's okay. When, when you don't match your intentions to your actions, how do you feel? Well, it's frustrating, isn't it? You know, I really wanted to make that happen and didn't. I'm disappointed in myself. I, I maybe feel guilty. I maybe starts filling myself with the opposite of the self-confidence. I start getting filled with self-doubt, and then it makes it even harder to, you know, match my intentions with my actions again. I, I, th- I think it makes sense. There's a, another parable in the, in the Bible that Jesus tells about the good Samaritan. Is, you know, this guy gets beat up, and he's on the side of the road, and all these religious leaders go by, and then um, the Samaritan, who would be kind of like a traditional enemy, you know, um, someone who's not supposed to like the Samaritan, takes care of him and pays the bills and everything like that. And at the end, Jesus gets down to the parable, and he says something, and I'll let you decide. Which do you think he said? Did he say, go and do likewise, or did he say, go and intend to do likewise? Yeah, you know, he, no, he wants our intentions and our actions to match, right? They, they, should, they should be the same thing. And the thing is, it's one of the games that I play is that I, I mistake knowing the right thing to do for doing the right thing, right? I, I know what I'm supposed to do. Move on to the next thing. No, 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 do it. Actually, actually do it. And if you find, well, that's too much, well, then maybe you just need to slow down. I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, but this is a lot of our, one of our mantras here is practice when it's easy so you have the skills you need when it's not. You know, matching your intentions with your actions on really, really simple little things, that's practice. That's practice. Because you're going to get to the big things. You're going to play, get to those places in your life where your intentions really matter. And if you don't deliver on it, um, there's going to be some real hurt. There's going to be some major problems that come out of that. So, you know, practice when it's easy. Um, kind of brings it back. Is, is being good harder than, hmm, I don't know. Anyway, so um, what I want you to do, and I'm going to give this to you as homework because uh, time here. But if you look on the bottom of your Sunday paper, you see these three squares. And it asks you, it says, three priorities, three intentions, and three actions. All right? And the idea is, I invite you to pick out three priorities. Three, pri- three things that are important to you in your life right now. Um, if, I, if I was going to give you categories, you can do whatever you want, but if I was going to give categories, think about 
a financial priority, think about a relational priority, and think about, uh, I can remember this, uh, a physical priority, all right? Name one of each, just get one in each category, then what would be an intention that follows along with that? What would be an intention that would, you know, move you there? And then what would actually be the action that you would do to match the intention? Uh, I'll give you some um, really quick examples of things, like um, a financial one for me might be say, I don't want to be serving my money. I don't want my money calling the shots in life because I know when that happens, everything else gets ugly, All right? I mean, what a killer for spiritual growth is that money calls the shots in your lives. And, you know, you're dealing with your debt or whatever it is um, that, you know, so, so a, a practice maybe, you know, that I would put into this or, you know, my intention and then therefore an action would be is that I'm going to take 25% um, of the money I spend eating out or doing takeout every, every month. I'm going to figure out what that is. <laughs> figure that out, right? 25%, and I'm going to put that towards a debt that I have that is, you know, kind of got a stranglehold on me, or maybe, maybe that's not a problem, but I want to put it towards giving. I want to devote it to things that are important to me, right? That would be an example of one. Um, relationally, I, I want to have full relationships with my family. Um, and an, an, an intention is, okay, when I come home, this is, and this is a true one for me when I had four kids running around the house, is I realized when I came home, I was often, at the end of the day, my kids were home from school, and they were like, you know, going at 100 miles an hour, and I was just beat, and, and they'd be all over me, and I was, not, I was not the person I wanted to be, right? And so what I did is um, I, I uh, turned the doorbell, or the door, actually, I turned the door handle into a pause, and when I reached that door handle, I would ask myself, who do I want to be when I get to the other side of this door, Right? And, and, I, and I found that I didn't have to be that person forever. If I could do it for five or ten minutes, that was okay. Then I could go out, you know, take my coat off and put my bag down and, and you know, catch a breath, whatever. But um, So that was, that was one, matching an intention to an action. A physical one, um, for me, is I, I find that um, um, I spend too much time sitting and I can get all stiff and stuff like that. So, like, um, you know... Every, you can pick out, like for me, like every 20 minutes, I want to make sure I stand up and I'm going to stretch. And when I stretch, I'm, you know, because that's physically good, I'm also going to do the daily examine, which is on the bottom left of your Sunday paper there, of just a really simple thing of like, um, just first of all, being grateful for whatever, um, then just sort of replaying, like, just replaying my, my day. No judgment, just this is what's been going on since I last checked in with myself. And asking for forgiveness, just simply, this is the most wonderful, gracious sense of forgiveness. It's saying, for whatever it is, wherever I didn't show up, wherever I wasn't what I want to be, I'm, I'm just sorry, and I want to do better. And the last piece, then just, I'm going to just tweak that. I'm just going to try to, yeah, what's, what's something that I could do be a little different then? And then go back and get back to work, okay? Five minutes, I'm done. And I physically different. All right, so that, that's something to do, all right? So I want to send that home. You got that little chart. You can fill it in. Uh, spend some time with that. When you're in your groups this week, you can uh, work on that with your group, however you want to do it. So last one. Keep us moving here. The third kind of soil. What did, what did, he, what did Jesus say about it in our Greg Meyer standard version of translation of the Bible? As for the weeds, they hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by worry, wealth, and fun. Right, so it doesn't mean you can't have fun. Just don't get choked. Don't choke on it, right? And, and their fruit never matures. The fruit never matures, right? Um, because everything grows up around it and distractions. The third soil is distractions. 
You have so many distractions in your life that are keeping you from being, you know, they're sidelining what you are designed to do, the spiritual growth that would naturally be happening in your life. And it just happens over and over again. And um, so one of the things to know is, you know, um, when this is going on, you have a hard time being the person you want to be because you've got this intention, like, okay, I, I want to be this way, and this is how I want to be, but then there's something else that you've got to pay attention to, and you're trying to focus, you're trying to maintain it, but, you know, your kids are yelling, and you, um, you know, you heard this news on the radio, and that's coming up, and then you're remembering the interaction you had with your um, partner the morning before you started work, and everything, and it just gets harder and harder and harder, and... I just can't be the person I want to be anymore because it just is so hard and I can hardly stop to think and this is actually what my life is like, you know? 15 hours a day? I don't know. Something like that. Um, yeah. So. so this is the easiest one to deal with, folks. All you have to do is get rid of all the distractions in your life. No, I mean, life is a series of interruptions. That, that's my definition of life, a series of interruptions. You know? And there is Squirrel. no way you're going to avoid that. There's no way. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can be right on a track, and you're so clear to what you want to be about, and then all of a sudden, you know, um, squirrel. Uh, it, it's Squirrel. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's going to happen to you. It does happen to you. It's happened to you while I was talking today. I mean, forgetting the canned ones, right? I mean, it just happens all the time to all of us. And um, that's just a reality, and we're going to have to find life within it. Now, um, spirituality has this reputation of being so hard because somehow it has to get through, you know, get through all those distractions. A really spiritual person doesn't have it. And so this is on your Sunday papers too. This is my bias. You can see if you agree or not. But spirituality that requires peacefulness isn't actually very spiritual. I mean, when it's really peaceful, I have no trouble being spiritual. Right? No. When spirituality is able to create peacefulness, that's real spirituality. That's true spirituality. And that doesn't mean you make everyone sit down and shut up. It means that even though all this stuff is happening in your life, you're able to, what, be centered. You're able to be present. You're able to choose which of the distractions you're going to pay attention to. I, I don't know. I mean, it means so many different things in different situations. But um, you can create some sort of peacefulness within it all. And, you know, mistaking a peaceful setting for a spiritual moment is one of the mistakes we make, Right? We say, well, that's really quite a nice over there. That's, that person is really spirit, must be feeling really spiritual right now. Who knows what's going on in their head or in their heart, right? I mean, uh, my, my challenge is like, when things are at the worst for you, can you pull on that deepest down part of yourself or not? It doesn't mean you make it go away, right? but it means you're maybe being who you want to be in that highly compromised moment that you're in at that time. Again, practice when it's easy, so you have the skills you need when you're not. One of the reasons we go find those really quiet times, you go, you know, go sit by the lake or you go for your walk, is in order to get practice with being who you want to be so that when it 
isn't so tranquil, you're able to call upon that same self, right? It isn't the one or the other. You're learning, you're practicing when it's easy, so you have that skill to draw on when it's not so easy for you. And, and think of situations that you can't imagine would be spiritual. Like, there is no way this situation can be spiritual, okay? And try to outdo each other. So, well, you think that's impossible. You wait till you come up with this one. Don't go to all the grim stuff, all right? Like, you know, it's not so great to sit there and dwell. But the truth is, when, when your parent dies, that's one of the hardest times of your life, but it was probably one of the most spiritual ones. I mean, that's kind of too easy, really, to be spiritual in those really, really hard times. It's not a fun time to be spiritual, maybe, but it really just happens. So what was the most impossible to be spiritual in situations that any of you came up with? The, the, this group over here said, do you want, uh, so they can hear it, I'll repeat it, but cleaning the hair out of the drain in the tub. Yeah. Yeah, a mundane task. I mean, especially gross mundane tasks. Yeah. Hmm. Anybody else? What else did you come up with? Anybody? Shout it out. Work stress. Yeah. Traffic jams when you're late. And you're not driving. It's worse than you're here. Morning routines. A mentor of mine, a long time ago, told me something I'd never forgotten. He said, Greg, I can teach you how to become spiritually mature. I said, okay. He says, what I can't do is teach you how to be spiritually mature quickly. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just lifelong, you know, and it's, it's process. It's, you know, just so be loving to yourself. Be accepting of yourself. Take those challenges. Um, go for what's next. The fourth kind of soil. Let's end this, right? There's the fourth one after the pathways and the rocks and the weeds. Uh, you finally have the, the good soil, right? And um, th this is what Jesus had to say about that. He said, as for the good soil, when it hears the word, it holds it fast in an honest and good heart, and it bears fruit with patient endurance. Folks, you, you are good soil. You are good soil. That's how you are created. It's who you are. And yes, you have all kinds of other stuff. You've got hard-packed, impermeable parts of your life. You've got, you've got uh, distractions going on. You've got... Um, all kinds of rocks and weeds that are all about you, and they always are going to be there, but you are good soil too. And the neat thing about good soil is that that little bit of you, those times you're able to call on that good soil, and it gets some little seeds in it. What it does is starts spreading, and the roots grow to other places and start breaking up the earth and moving it up and start dropping seeds in those, and it starts taking over your life, you know? You don't have to get rid of all the distractions and the habits and the intention, unrealized intentions in your life. You never will. It's okay. But keep on moving. Keep on moving. Keep on examining and think about them. Be aware of them. Call on your best self when you're able to, and that's pretty important. There, there's one aspect of this um, parable that might be the most important part of it that most people even miss, all right? And that's because we think of all these soils. You know, there's the the, the four kinds of soil I'll talk about, and I think that's all about. But, but there's one part. Did you notice the sower? The sower sows seed. Now, how does the sower sow it? Does the sower carefully go to the, the good soil and drop seeds in right there and then, then go? No, scatters it all over the place. The, the sower sows seed with 
irresponsible extravagance. Almost as if the universe knew that nothing was wasted. I, I didn't throw it someplace where it's not going to do anything, it's not important, that part of your life isn't critical. No, all of it counts, all of it matters, all of it is life, and all of it gets a seed. All of it has potential. Nothing is wasted. It's, it seems so ridiculously extravagant, but that's how he told the story because he wants us to know that there's no part of you that isn't loved, no part of you that doesn't matter. So that's critical. The, the other thing that, that's in there is, you know, what happens, you know, when the, when the, you know, why do we bother with this? Why do we care about this? Why does spiritual growth matter in the first place? It's because of what happens when some of that soil falls in the good, some of those seeds fall in the good soil. What happens? It bears fruit. It bears fruit. It does good stuff in this world. We live in a world, just go home, listen to the news. We live in a world that needs us to bear fruit. It needs other people to bear fruit. Thanks for listening. May this simply be the start of the conversation. Reach out if you want help connecting with a group virtually or in the Twin Cities and tag at FabricMPLS with your own thoughts on social media. You can also stay up to date and find other resources on our website, FabricMPLS.com.